Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. Join us this Sunday at one of our four campuses. Call times are at 9 and 11 a.m. at our Somerville and Remount campuses, 10 a.m. at our North Charleston campus, and 11 a.m. at our Monk's Corner campus. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Larry Burbacher. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit faithishere.org. Good to see you today. How many having a great day so far? In the presence of God, strong here. Great to come together and worship Him and bless His holy name. Uh, take your Bibles out. Turn to Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14. And uh, we are in a series, as you see, Hope for the Families. And we have looked at, we began on Mother's Day, and we looked at mamas, and then we looked on raising children, and then we talked about marriage, and uh, last week we talked about the importance of raising up the next generation. I understand Pastor Jonathan did an awesome job here for you guys. And, uh, and today, today we're going to talk about a, a topic, Hope for Blended Families. Now, listen, uh, the nuclear family, mom, dad, one and a half kids and a car, is getting rarer and rarer in America today. How many know you, you don't have quite as many nuclear families as you used to have? Uh, anymore, there's all kinds of blended families and re-blended and blended all over again. And maybe right now you're not living in a blended family. You're still in a nuclear home, a nuclear family. That's great. That's awesome. Uh, but and, and some of these principles will apply to you. That has to do with marriage and raising children. But, but, but many of you will have children. They will go through a blended family, either through divorce or death. Some of you were raised in a blended family. Your home was uh, uh, two families put together, and you were raised in that kind of home. And so how do we respond? How do we act? Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I, I've been pastoring here to be uh, 30 years in August. I, I don't know that I've ever preached a sermon on blended families. I have failed you in many ways. And, and I think in my mind, there was an assumption that if I just preached on marriage uh, or I preached on raising kids, uh, and we've done that many times along the way, that that would just kind of cover anything. But I'm here to tell you, when you take two families, totally different backgrounds, uh, kids all mixed in together, uh, you've got parents here, natural parents, sharing time with the kids, passing them back and forth. It is a whole lot more complicated issue. It's challenging as marriage is coming together, blended families is that much more complicated. It's crazy out there. And so, so we're going to begin to minister. On, and, and then today, I think maybe more in a unique way, I'm a little qualified to talk about this because I'm living in a blended family. I'm in one right now. I thought that would have never happened in my life. In fact, today would have been my 40-year anniversary with my first wife. It would have been 40 years today. And, uh, and so I married my first wife 40 years ago, but, but God, I don't know what happened, but, but she was in a car wreck. She passed away. Most of you know my story. And so five years in September will be my anniversary to my second wife. Now, now God's good. God's redemptive and, uh, has got great plans. And, and we, and so, so I'm in a blended family now. Now, when, when I married Jeannie, I had three kids. 
but they were all grown. And so I didn't have some of the dynamics of, of the whole blended family thing going on because they're grown. They have their families. Uh, and, uh, and there was a few challenges there because I think in some ways they were still grieving Tanya and probably couldn't, uh, they couldn't adjust to the fact that there would be another lady in, in our kitchen, another lady on their back porch, another lady uh, in their house. And so that was a little hard for them to come to grips with and deal with. And so we had some challenges along the way. Uh, my wife, Jeannie, her husband had also passed away. She had two grown kids, uh, both in the ministry, and a 16-year-old daughter when we got married. Now, now listen to me. I thought I was done raising teenagers. I thought I was finished. And so now I come into this new marriage that, that God put together, and yet, yet the way she had raised her daughter was probably a lot different than the way I may have done it. Neither one's right, neither one's wrong, but, but, but she had been a single mom for about five years, and so probably overcompensated by being a single parent, single mother. And, and then I come in, and I want to be the general. I want to lay down the law. I want to make everybody toe the line. How many of that doesn't work with a 16-year-old? You, you, just can't, you just can't go in it storming down the barn, throwing the gates open and say, there's a new sheriff in town, look out. And so I had to learn. I had to learn about patience, and I had to learn about trusting God, and I had to rehone my skills all over again and, and really approach it maybe from a, a different aspect. You know, I like to, I think everything's black and white and, and yes and no, and this is the way it should be done. And that's kind of the way I look at life, and, and yet it's, it's not always that simple. It's not always that clear cut. And so there are some very unique challenges in blended families. But I've got good news for you. There's all kinds of hope for blended families. And so many of you guys are in here. You are in a blended family relationship right now, and God is blessing you and blessing the children you're responsible for, and God is good. Amen? So let's take a look at it. Turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14. Let's stand together this morning for a reading of God's Word. Exodus 14 and verse number 10. Um, uh, it, it probably will start with 11 on your screen, but I want to start with 10 this morning. It says, As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. And they were terrified and cried out to the Lord. And they said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt? that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out to Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Father, today, help me, Lord, as I open up your word about a very challenging subject. Open up your word to our hearts. God, may we glean insights from what you want for us. I pray for all the families here today that your blessings will rest upon them, and especially for those who are going through unique challenges of a blended home and a blended family. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your redemptive power. And we give the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to someone. Tell them they look great today. 
there is a there is nearly a universal experience that shortly follows or occurs after remarriage. You found the one God has for you. You're ready to get remarried. You're ready to start your life all over again. You're ready for that big second chance. And then you get remarried. And then disillusionment sets in. Reality sets in. And what happens is many people in their mind believe that somehow remarriage is the cure for divorce or pain or heartache. And if I'll just get remarried and if I'll just find somebody else, uh, 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 my loss, I'll forget about my loss, uh, my loneliness will will pass away, uh, the, the emotions, the hurt, I won't hurt anymore, at least someone will love me again. At least someone will be in my children's life to help pay the bills and help take care of them. At least they will have two parents in the same home at the same time. And the couples pick up their children and their possessions and their stuff and they launch out in for the promised land called remarriage, called a blended family, only to arrive in the wilderness. And eventually the realities of stepfamily life trip over the unrealistic fantasies and disillusionment and it begins to set in. Now here's what happens. The Israelites, the story is, they, they find themselves at the, at the brink of the Red Sea. And Pharaoh's army is galloping and closing in on them. 600 plus chariots, armies, soldiers, all that. They are closing in on them and there is nowhere for Israel to turn. And of course, what do we do when we get in trouble? We complain and we gripe and we say, boy, I had it better back in Egypt. Step families are caught between the future and the past. Now follow me here. The future and the past. Behind them is the the debilitating loss and pain from the days of their bondage. But it quickly closes in on them. It quickly pursues them. And so anger can set in. Resentment can set in. Rejection can set in. Guilt sets in. And it all siphons energy from your emotional tank. And the pain of your past only adds to your fear of the future. You got that one failed marriage. You got that failed relationship. You've got that loss you've went through. You've, you've had the problems of your past. You have all those things going on in your life. And, and, it, and it adds to your fear of the future. And, and, and the danger is when you get out there between your past and your future, you begin to wonder, did I do the right thing getting remarried? At least when I was raising these kids by myself, I knew what to expect. Uh, I knew what life held. Uh, I knew what the parameters were. Uh, and now I'm bringing somebody brand new and all their kids along. Uh, and now we're joining together. And I don't know what in the world's going on. And you get caught between the past in the future. And disillusionment gives birth to grumbling, uh, and grumbling gives birth to complaining uh, and conflict, and emotions run high, and there are problems that escalate in this new marriage relationship. Shortly after delivering Moses and the Israelites, they, they finally get across the Red Sea. 
God comes down, closes up the Red Sea. Pharaoh's armies are destroyed. They are washed away. But as you read the Bible a little bit further, they come to the desert of Shur. And when they get to the desert of Shur, something else begins to happen. They traveled about three days now after crossing the Red Sea. And they find a pool of water. Now, by this time, the Israelites are thirsty. They are, they are dying of thirst, and they seal a pool of water, and they jump in the water, and they begin lapping it up, and they say, oh. And all of a sudden, when they taste the water, the Bible says the water is bitter. Could have been poisonous, could have been deadly. It may be pond scum. I don't know what it was, but the water was not drinkable. And God tells Moses to do something. He says, I want you to go get a a piece of wood. I want you to take that wood. I want you to throw it into the water. And Moses finds the wood, throws it into the water, and it becomes sweet. And in Exodus 15 and verse 26, he names that place uh, or names the altar they'll build there to commemorate that place, Jehovah Rapha, which literally means the Lord who heals you. I have got great news for you. Uh, When you come to those times of those bitter waters, uh, we serve a Lord and we serve a God who is able to heal you. Uh, He can redeem your past. He he can forgive your past. He can cleanse your past. And he can give you an incredible future. Some of you thought sweet tea originated in Somerville. I've got news for you. It goes back to the desert of Shur. And the water became sweet again. And God gave the Israelites a promise. He tells them when they're at that pond drinking, uh, that water source drinking, he calls it Jehovah Rapha. He tells them something. If you will listen to my voice and you will do what is right, God will make your bitter waters sweet again. Isn't that a great promise? God will heal you. He'll put none of those diseases that were on the Egyptians on you ever again if you will obey me and if you will do what is right. And I've got great news for you today. The same is true for step families here today. God is able to heal your past hurts. He's able to alleviate all that is pursuing you. The army is marching trying to catch you. But I want to tell you, you can't rely on yourself to do it. You have to trust in the Lord your God. You have to obey his word, follow him, serve him, trust in God, and stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. I've got a quote from Ron Deal who wrote the book, The Smart Step Family, and some of what I'm using today comes from his book. But let me just read this quotation. He says it very well. There is a step family promised land of marital intimacy, of interpersonal connectedness, and spiritual redemption. God has not abandoned you. Even though you may have lived a life of sin and shame, or even though you doubt his presence in your life, if you will listen, trust, and continue walking by faith, you will hear him confirming your journey, offering guidance, healing, and providing a path on dry ground. But you must trust him. Isn't that a great statement? Now, I want us to give you five practical things. And if you've got your outlines, you can kind of flip them over. You can follow along with me, jot these things down. Hopefully, they will be helpful to you, and especially if you're in that step-family relationship right now. Five practical steps on building a strong, blended family. Number one, number one, above everything else, and this applies to everybody in the room, submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ. 
Submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Listen, I am not talking about religion as rhetoric or conversation or something we say and we throw out very carelessly. I am talking about an internal, personal, committed relationship to follow Jesus Christ. To say, Jesus Christ, you are Lord of my life. You're Lord of my family. You are Lord of everything I have. Uh, You are everything in my life. You've got to start with that premise. Submit to the Lordship of Christ. Accept his gracious forgiveness. Live in faithful response to his grace. Therefore, because all that Christ has done for me, uh, because of all of his mercy, because of all of his grace, I present my body back to you as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you, which is my reasonable act of worship. I give myself back to you because of all that you have done for me. And I want to tell you, if you respond to his grace in that way, it will will affect every relationship within that blended family. Listen, when you understand how much you have been forgiven by Jesus Christ, how can you not extend forgiveness to those who have hurt you deeply or have been hurt deeply in their own life because all that Christ has done for us, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He has adopted us into his family. How can I not forgive those who hurt me in the past? Let it go. And if you, if you put Christ first... You will also commit to live a life worthy of his calling, it says in the word of God, a Christ-like life. So in my life, I will want to emulate him. And when you do that, when you commit yourself to holy living, you set yourself up for success in all your relationships. The blessings of God will follow you. They will pursue you. Uh, They will overtake you. Uh, You can't get away from God's blessings uh, when you're trusting him, serving him, committed to him, living for him. Listen, because you're following Christ, your life's not going to be filled with alcohol and drugs, uh, but the Bible says you are going to be filled with the Spirit of God. Be not drunk with wine, whereas in excess, uh, but be filled with his Spirit. Because you're following Christ, you're not consumed with material possessions, uh, but your mind is filled on things above. Listen to Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1. Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden in Christ, in God. Because you're committed to the lordship of Jesus Christ, your sexual boundaries are maintained. It protects your home against infidelity, pornography, or listen to me, stepfamily incest. Incest is rampant in stepfamilies today. But where Christ is Lord, where Christ is exalted, uh, those boundaries are clearly marked out in the word of God. That is your protection against pornography, against immorality, against an affair, against abuse. Why? Because my life 
is with Christ in God. Because you are committed to the Lordship of Christ, you are a servant leader. And you understand what sacrifice is all about. And you, in honor, preferring uh, one another in your house. Uh, And because you are in Christ Jesus, there are the fruits in the Spirit evident in your life. And so that fruit of gentleness uh, will open up the door of uh, even the hardest stepchildren's hearts. Because they see the fruit of Christ in your life. And so number one, above everything else, and this applies to every area of life, submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Number two, commit to your new marriage. Commit to your new marriage. Now listen to me. The best thing to do for your children and for your stepchildren is model what a good marriage looks like. That's, that's true for your nuclear homes as well. Model a good, healthy, strong marriage. Now listen to me. Not every step family is a product of divorce. Some it's it's because of loss. But the majority of step families are. Let's be real today. The majority of step families that are in existence today are there because there was a divorce, breakup, or, or they had children out of wedlock. They need to witness and learn from a healthy married life because most of those kids have already journeyed through the heartbreak of divorce. They've seen the arguing. They've seen the fighting. They've seen all that went on in the home that led up to the house. Uh, They have seen the infidelity. Uh, They have seen all the destructive patterns uh, of the previous marriage uh, because that marriage didn't work. Okay? Be honest, if it had worked, you wouldn't be divorced. It didn't work. Something went wrong. And you broke up and you divorced. And so what happens is now you have stepchildren who are witnessing a brand new marriage. But instead of seeing arguments filled with yelling and personal agendas and me and mine and selfishness, they begin to watch two people come together who give their time to each other and attention to an intimate relationship. And so the best thing you can do for your stepchildren is model a strong marriage. Let them see a strong, healthy home. Uh, Your stepchildren may not welcome the new marriage, especially at the beginning, because maybe in the back of their minds they're secretly wanting mom and dad to get back together again. But a strong marriage... They will come to appreciate your commitment. And so in this new relationship, in this new marriage, your spouse comes first. And so you put your new wife first. Wives, you put your new husband first. And that is witnessed in the marriage relationship. There was a study done by James Bray in 1998. It was a 10-year study. And he makes this statement. A loving, well-functioning stepfamily over time can negate many of the detrimental psychological impacts of divorce on children. And that, that's it's, it's great. He's God's redemptive. God is good. So model a strong marriage. Number two, learn to listen. Number three, praise. Learn to listen. Learn to listen. If you are not willing to listen, you can't even begin to know how to love and honor one another in this new family. 
Learn to listen. Set aside your own agendas long enough to listen to your stepchildren. Listen to them. Where are they coming from? What's going on in their life? It will allow you to gain insight to know how to treat them. It will give you insight into their feelings. It will give you insight into their desires and goals. And so you will be no more better equipped to know how to deal with your new stepchildren. Listen to what happens. When conflict erupts, James tells us what to do. Be quick to listen and slow to become angry. Be quick to listen, slow to become angry. Proverbs 18 and verse number 13. He who, he who answers before listening, that is folly to his shame. Listen, we want to come in. We know all the answers, don't we? And we want to set everybody straight. We want to tell them how it works in my house. And we lay it all out there. And we, we, we talk before we listen. And we don't hear what's going on in their hearts, what they're experiencing, what their frustrations are, and we talk before we listen. Individuals in step families, they are coming together from entirely different journeys. What they witness and what they saw in their home, what they experienced growing up is different than what your kids experiencing and what you went through and how you did things in your house. Listening shows respect for other people's experiences and their journey along the way, and it helps you maintain a humble attitude about your own. Help your stepchildren understand that you're not trying to take the natural father's place. Or the natural mother's place, whether a result of death or divorce. Let them talk about their natural parents and listen to them with an understanding heart. Now, many times in a step family, in a blended family, uh, you have a wife and she remarries, but that husband, that natural father is still there. And they're sharing custody. And the, and the children are going back and forth from weekend to weekend or week to week. Listen, you need to listen to them about their natural parents. And you need to let them know, I'm not here to take your daddy's place. I'm just here to love you and love your mother. And let them maintain those relationships. They want to talk about their own parents, their own family. You let them do that. And as the mature adult, you listen to them. Hear what they have to say. Don't rip them apart. Don't cut them down. Don't cut their their parents down. Number four, adjust for the children's sake. It's all about the children. It's all about the children. You're coming together. You want healthy children. You want them to prosper and God to bless them. And so you've got to adjust your parenting style for the sake of the children. Now turn to Genesis chapter 21. I want to read you about a very, I want to read you about a step family. It's kind of crazy. It's uh, Abraham and Sarah and Hagar and, uh, and, and what happened in this family and how destructive it became. And so we go to Genesis chapter 21. Let me give you the backdrop here. Sarah had not been able to have children. And so she had failed. So about age 75, she gives up, throws in the towel and says, uh, Abraham, listen, I'm too old. It's never going to happen to me. You need to have a son to pass on the inheritance, pass on the blessing. Here's my handmaiden, a good little sweet young thing by the name of Hagar. 
and he brings her in, and Abraham sleeps with her. Now, you talk about uh, Old Testament morality. I don't understand it all. I scratch my head. It's probably just all sin because it got him into a lot of trouble, and we got trouble today in the Middle East, and you can go back and just kind of trace the roots of all this stuff. And so he goes into Hagar, and they have a son by the name of Ishmael. And Ishmael has now been the prime son in Abraham's family. And he's, he's running around, and he's having a great time in the tents, and they're hunting, and they're fishing together. And it's Ishmael and Abraham, and they're buddies, and they're father's son, and they're bonding together. And Sarah is just chafing on the inside because for some reason her womb has been closed. She can't have kids. Every time she would look over at Ishmael, it would just remind her again of her pain. That should have been my son. That should have been my boy. And so let's pick up the story. Turn to Genesis 21. And I, I don't think we have it on the screen, uh, but so you're going to have to get your Bibles out. So you're going to have to work a little bit this morning. Get your Bibles out and, and, and turn. And we're going to pick up the story with verse number 11. And uh, Sarah now has her own son, Isaac. And uh, Isaac means laughter. And everybody's laughing because it's so funny, a 90-year-old and a 100-year-old man having a son. And the Bible says right after he is weaned, just a 90-year-old lady weaning her son. It just, uh, it's laughter. It makes you laugh. you got to laugh. And so let's pick it up with verse number 11. Uh, it says the matter, uh, let's pick up verse number 8. i got to go back there. The child grew and was weaned, talking about Isaac. And on that day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. And Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar, the Egyptian, had borne to Abraham was mocking. And so now you got Ishmael making fun of little Isaac and Sarah in that ridiculous scene. And she said to Abraham, get rid of that slave woman and her son, for the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. Okay, kick him out. Now, 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 we read these stories so quickly and so rapidly. It's a few verses in our Bible. But you've got to you just kind of imagine what is going on in this step family. What's going on in this home? It's craziness. Verse number 11, the matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. Now, there had been a bond between Abraham and Ishmael. But God said to him, do not be distressed about the boy and your maidservant. Listen, whatever Sarah tells you, because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned, I will make the son of the maidservant into a nation also, because he is your offspring. Early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. He set them on the shoulders and sent them off with the boy. She went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. When the water and the skin was gone, now they run out of water and they're in in the desert. She put the boy under one of the bushes. And then she went off and sat down nearby about a bow shot away. So what, about 100 yards away or I don't know, 50 yards away. I don't know. And, and, and she doesn't want to watch her son die. So you go die under this tree. And I'll go die under this tree. I cannot watch my boy die, and as she sat there nearby, she began to sob. 
God heard the boy crying. Aren't you glad God hears our sobs out in the wilderness? And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes. She saw a well of water, and she went and filled the skin of water and gave the boy a drink. Now listen, what you have here is a prime example of a step family where Each mother is guarding their own children. They're guarding their own sons. They're protecting their own sons. And it causes great division in the house, so much so they have to split up and go separate ways. I am telling you guys, listen to me, moms and dads, when you come together in a step marriage, when you get in your second remarriage, uh, you've got to put your stepchildren first uh, and put your own wishes aside. My children aren't better than your children. Your children aren't better than my children. They're just different. And you love them and you treat them the same because it will create resentment, hurt, and animosity that you will never be able to be able to work out or reconcile. Listen, Sarah is looking out for good old number one. I am looking out for my boy. I am looking out for Isaac. And so her actions are driven three ways. Her actions are driven by fear. First of all, she reasons in her heart, Isaac won't get the full blessing of Abraham if I allow this uh, Ishmael to remain in the house. So fear sets in. She's got to protect her boy. Number two, anger sets in because Hagar and Ishmael are making fun of Isaac, and they're laughing at Isaac. They're laughing at her boy, and now she gets mad. She gets angry. That's it. You've pushed one too many buttons. I'm still the favorite wife. I still can call the shots around here. And number three, jealousy sets in because Hagar had given Abraham the highly prized firstborn son. It's a big deal in the Middle East to be the firstborn son. And that's something Sarah could not do. That is something that Hagar did. And yet she's the one who encouraged Abraham when she can't have kids. Here, take my handmaiden. Take a a few nights with her. She brings it on herself, but after the families come together, anger, animosity, and almost two people die out there in the middle of the desert. Listen, I'm telling you guys, put your kids first. It's for their benefit and their stake. Step families work on, it's all about the kid's attitude. And so we compromise and we work together and we work through complications and difficulties. Even when your own dreams may go unfulfilled, uh, you are still doing what's best for the whole. Blending a step family, listen to me, takes time. It is like a crock pot. It's not a microwave. It's not a quick fix. It's not I say I do, and now we're in Shangri-La. Listen to me. It's like a crock pot. You take all the ingredients, uh, all the different personalities, uh, all the different uh, stuff, and you throw it all together in the crock pot, and you give it time. And it slowly simmers, uh, and it slowly cooks, uh, and what happens is all the best flavor out of each ingredient comes out in that crock pot. But it takes time. It takes time. You put the ingredients together. You give each of your kids a lot of affirmation. You draw out the qualities of each. 
takes time to adjust to new living conditions. It takes time to adjust to new parenting styles. Uh, it takes time to adjust to your rules and responsibilities. Uh, it takes time to experience one another. It takes time to develop trust and commitment and a shared history. All of that takes time. It takes time for that sense of belonging and coming together as step families. Now, I said it earlier, I'll say it again. Men, listen to me. It's not wise to go into new a family relationship with guns blazing saying, I'm the new sheriff in town. This is the way we do things around Dodge. I've got the badge. I'm the dad. Don't take your Bible out and thump it. Go to Ephesians. I'm the head of the house. You do what I say. I, I rule the roost around here. That's going to come back to haunt you. I know. I'm learning. Now she's 21. Thank the Lord. <laughs> Let me give you something. This is some wise advice. The cardinal rule for a relationship between a father and a stepchild, stepson or daughter, or a mother and a stepson or daughter, the cardinal rule is let the stepchild set the pace for your relationship. Let the stepchild set the pace for your relationship. Now, if they're small... It's wide open. You know, they, they're not going to know the difference. But, but you come in there, and those kids are 8, 9, 10, 13, 14, 12, whatever, and they're in that range somewhere. Let the child, the stepchild, set the pace for your relationship. And I, like I say, much of that depends on the age of the stepchild. If they welcome or seek affection, go for it. Give them a lot of love. Give them a lot of encouragement. Uh, go for it. If they remain distant but are cordial, honor that child as well. Honor those feelings as well. Don't barge in there. If they follow your rules and respect your decisions, then you can continue to assert your authority. But if they challenge your authority, find ways to live on the borrowed power of the biological parent. Now listen to me. Step-parenting is never the responsibility of one person. It doesn't fall on the shoulders of the dad. It doesn't fall on the shoulders of the mother. It follows on the shoulders of both. So you are coming together in terms of discipline, in terms of rules, and so mom and dad stand united. So that when you speak, you can speak on the borrowed authority of the natural parent. I mean, understand what I'm talking about here, okay? We tend, and, and, and kids will do this. And if you've got kids from both families coming in there, they'll pit the husband against the wife. Listen, your own, if you're in a nuclear family, my kids did that. They'd run to Tanya when they wanted to get their way. Step parenting is a two-person task. So you, you, you work together on mutually agreed rules, reward, and punishment. And so when you act on borrowed authority, you might say, I expect you to honor these rules, our rules. It's always our rules. Your mothers and I have talked about this. This is what your mother and I have decided, and so you work on that authority. The first six months, you will develop interaction and respect, and you work through the child's natural parent. When Emily wanted something, go see your mama. That's, that, that's her mother. Been her mother for 16 years. 
She set the rules. She set the guidance. She did all this. And so I worked through her mother. Marital support and senses provide strength to the relationship. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6. Look at verse number 4. This is kind of where I get this point. It's all about the kids. Ephesians 6 and verse number 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Listen, if you want to exasperate or provoke your stepchildren, push yourselves on them. Push your authority on them before it's earned. And let me throw out one little note, and I'll move on, is don't ever, men, lose your temper with your kids. Don't ever abuse them, lose your temper, fly off, because as soon as you do that, you lose your moral authority to speak into their life. Number five, patience, patience, patience. Bray Research says step families don't begin to think or act like a natural family until the end of the second or third year. It takes two to three years to even begin to act like a natural family. Few of us expect that. We want a quick, painless, blending process. You can even expect your stepchildren, depending on their age, to have some ambivalent feelings towards you, and at times they may even dislike you. And then that's sad. We want everybody to like us. But if you tolerate it without returning anger for anger, you can over time begin to build that relationship. They may resent you. They may not like you. You took mom away. You took dad away. I don't know whatever's going through their mind, whatever they're thinking about. You're not my father. You're not my mother. Whatever that's going through in their mind, they may be angry. They may have ambivalent feelings towards you. But if you will keep loving them, being gracious, exercising the fruits of the Spirit, in time they will grow to love you. And that's really cool when that happens. Romans 8 talks about Christ Jesus and what he did for us. And the Bible says he has adopted us into his family despite our sinfulness. And in Romans chapter 5, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so when you choose to love stepchildren in spite of their cold response, eventually their hearts warm up. And it can be a beautiful family. They will test you before they trust you. They will test you before they trust you. So in the process, be flexible. In the process, you better have a good sense of humor. You're going to need it. Learning to know and love your new stepchildren will take time, and it will take time for them to love you. But the final result is worth the time, and it's worth the effort. Now listen to me. No one ever dreamed of growing up in a step family. I, I don't think any of us had that as our life's ambition. It's not a part of our, and they lived happily ever after fantasy. I will tell you it takes time to blend two families, two incomes, two responsibilities, two distinct histories, uh, two very different traditions. And it's like taking potatoes. And you you stir those potatoes around. There are lumps in the potatoes. It takes a long time to get all those lumps out. And even when you think you got them all and you eat those potatoes, there's a lump right there in the middle of it. Where'd that come from? Give yourself three to five years 
in the adjustment process. Now listen to me. Let me tell you the most famous step family ever. It was the family that Jesus Christ was born into. Remember Joseph? He was not Jesus' natural biological father. He was Jesus' stepfather. God was his father. Mary was his mother. And so you have our Redeemer, our Lord, our Savior, was a stepson to Joseph. But how many know Joseph did a pretty good job? And Jesus turned out pretty cool. All right, for you and for me. And I, and I guess what I'm saying today is God can give you grace in a new family, even though it seems like at times that pastor's pursuing you, even though there's all kinds of complication from exes and kids going back and forth and all this stuff going on, and you feel like you're between the Red Sea and the armies of Pharaoh, God is able to part the river, stand still to see that the Lord is God, and he's able to take this brand-new family into the promised land and make it a beautiful home for God's honor and for God's glory. Amen. There's hope today. There's hope today. And, 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 for, and for anything... The hope is always found in the Word of God. And so you can go to God's Word, and you can find hope for any situation. It's all covered right there. I want you to stand with me. Everybody's standing. You guys have been great this morning. I know this has been a little bit of uh, detailed, but I felt it was essential and important for where we're living today. I want to be very, very practical this morning. I didn't want to be uh, ethereal. Uh, I wanted to be very practical. I wanted to give you nuggets that you could take home and apply and put into practice. Thanks for listening to this weekly podcast. Check out faithishere.org for podcasts and videos of our previous messages.